0: Joined by Joe Cardo. Joe, thanks a lot for coming on. How are you doing?
1: No worries, Ross. Yeah, thank you. No, it's great to actually be able to sit down. We've been meaning to do this for the last three, four weeks, haven't we? So thanks for uh, biding your time and waiting for us. So, yeah, thanks for having me, Paul.
0: Ah, no worries at all. I just want to start off by asking you your early football memories.
1: Yeah, so as, as far as, as far back as I can look, you know I mean? As I remember, it was always always football football daft as a wee boy. Um never really played with toys. As I said, I've got two youngsters, two young girls, and they play with the toys and the Barbies and the dolls and all that. Obviously as a wee boy, I never really played with toys. It was just my football. Always at the back garden, any chance I got as soon as I came in from school, out playing with my pals in the car park in front of my house. And I loved it. You know, I mean I've lived and breathed it all my life. Um, and I played for a team called Litham Juniors from an early age from about four um, and as I said just really enjoyed playing with my pals at, at, at my school and, and then I got picked up from Burnley uh, Burnley School of Excellence they managed to sign me I was only six when I first signed at Burnley uh, and that was an hour away from my house so I used to travel through there three times a week for training sessions and I ended up staying at Burnley for ten years until I was sixteen so it was a long time so my whole childhood really I was at Burnley uh, School of Excellence, the academy and done really well there but it, it got to a point when I was 16 I was kind of a wee bit small for my age and I was a wee bit lightweight and, and I never got a contract, I never got a, a a youth team contract, full-time contract once I left school so then I ended up going to Port Vale, I signed a scholarship at Port Vale, YTS, the year deal and I never looked back really, I, I moved away from home at 16 which was a big step, which was difficult at the time. Very young, obviously, to move away from your home and your pals and your family. Uh, but I managed to do that at 16. And I'd done my, my two years as a YT and then obviously went on to become a professional with Port Vale and get into the first team. And I, I managed to stay there for just under three years and done pretty well at that. And that's when I, I made the move up to Scotland. And yeah, never really looked back when I first made that move up the road.
0: What made you want to come up to Scotland? How did that come about?
1: Yeah, so it was it was a strange one, really. I was at Port Vale and I was kind of in and out of the first team. I was only 20 at the time, still pretty young, never really consolidated my space in the team. So I was kind of on the bench a lot, coming on off the bench. And there was a close friend at the time, Colin Hendry, who lived in Lynham, where I'm from, uh, and he obviously, obviously came and watched a lot of my games. He was a family friend. and He got the job at Clyde uh, when Clyde won the championship at the time. And he was always coming to my reserve games at Port Vale. And he said, listen, if I get a job, I would love to take you on loan to get you some game time. And he, when he got the job at Clyde, I think I was his first name, and he took me on loan at Clyde. And I just thought it would be a great opportunity to go up and get a wee bit of experience, first team, you know, first team level, play week in, week out. And I managed to play. I think about seven, or eight games for Clyde and done pretty well at that. Really enjoyed it. Um, and then I went back to Port Vale in the January. And by that point, uh, the manager that had signed me at Port Vale when I was sixteen, and he became the first team manager. He got the sack. Uh, they brought in a new manager, and obviously he wanted to bring in his own players. And he never had had much loyalty towards me. So I ended up getting released at the end of the summer. Um, so then it came to it and obviously I'd played a few games at Clyde so there was a few Scottish teams interested so there was like Ross County and Airdrie they were obviously keen on signing me um, and there wasn't money there wasn't many English clubs that wanted to give me a contract it was just trials that I was getting offered because I was still 20 years old um, so Airdrie they were on the phone so I thought they were they were the first back pre-season so I thought I'd go up the road try it out see how it is see what the setup's like and to be fair, I enjoyed it. I went into Airdrie, it was Kenny, Kenny Black that brought me in. Um, and I just thought, you know what, I'll just go up the road, um, sign, sign for a year and play as much as I can, try and get my name out there, try and show the, show, show the football world that I'm all about. And I was lucky enough that I played quite a lot uh, at the start of that season. Uh, we done pretty well. We managed to win the Challenge Cup in December, November, December sort of time. And, um, and then I got picked up from Dunferman. I um, had a meeting with Jim McIntyre in the, December, no, the January. And I signed a pre-contract with Dunferman, a three-year deal. Um, and then, obviously, went on to Dunferman and had quite a, a lot of success with them.
0: Hard legend, eh? You've, you've been through the mill, though. Promotion, yeah. really. relegation, yeah. administration.
1: all no, to be fair, with Dunferman. Uh, I think a lot of people, when they say Joe Cardo and they see them film, they see a lot of success. But as you say, there was a lot of horrible moments as well when you talk about the administration and obviously getting relegated as well when we were in the Prem um, in the first in the first year going up. So, yeah, there's been very much highs and lows. But it's the same with with football. You're going to get that. It's never going to be winning week in, week out and winning titles. And always going to get the downside as well. So... Like last week when we lifted the trophy, it was you got to enjoy the moments when you're lifting trophies and winning leagues. Because when the when the when the times are hard, when the times are bad, it's, it's horrible, it's difficult uh, mentally. Um so you got to enjoy the good moments when they do come. So yeah, a lot of a lot of great experiences at Dunfermline, uh, but there was a few horrible experiences as well. When
0: you were first in the premiership with Dunfermline, how big a step up in quality was that like compared to what you'd maybe played at before?
1: Yeah, well I think the step up at that time, you're talking 11 years ago, was a long time ago, I think the step up from the championship to the premiership then was a massive step up um, and then we found that out even though personally when we went up to the prem, I preferred it, I felt like I had a lot more time on the ball and I was getting more chances in front of goals, scoring more goals, I managed to score 12 goals that Premier League season but as collectively as a team, we were giving away too many slack goals. We were—it was a case when the championship where you were given—if you—if you gave away a slack pass, you might get away with it in the championship, but if I, in the Premiership, when you're playing against better opposition, and you give away a bad pass or you make a mistake at the back, the mistakes count, and the, the teams that you're playing against score the goals, and that's what cost us. Um, so yeah, it was pretty frustrating because personally, I felt like I was—I had a really good season. Um, But collectively, when you're getting relegated, it was, yeah, a really hard one to take. And I had another year on my contract as well, which was a bit uh, frustrating because there was a few teams that were interested in me as well at that point. And I was pretty still still young in my career, so sometimes contracts can hold you back. Um, But I never thought for once when we went up with Dunfermline to the championship that summer, I just thought it'd be a case for the size of the club Dunfermline, would go and push on again. like when we were talking about Livingston, go and kick on in the Prem, but it was a case where we weren't good enough uh, and we had to head back to the Championship the following season. Do
0: you think Domferman is a club, do you think they've got like, all, the, all the things you need to go and be a Premiership club?
1: Yeah, I think it's clear. I think anyone that's been involved in the club realised the potential that Domferman have got. Uh, Everyone says it's a sleeping giant, but being realistic, it's been a sleeping giant for so long. Now it's yeah. got to a point, basically acceptable that Don can be a Championship League One team. You know, what I mean, the season they had, they've had this season with mean, the players that they've got. They should be challenging at the top. Um, and I don't know what, I don't know the reasons why. I don't know why where they are in the league and how they're going to be struggling. They've uh, got a massive game Friday night. Hopefully, they, they stay up and they don't manage to get in the playoffs. But it's been a sleeping giant for too long. Um, but we don't know the answer. I don't know why it's been that for that long. I thought when I said to you about the uh, going up in the championship that season, it's been that long since they've been in the Chat in the Premiership. You think they're going to kick on again and invest in players and facilities and everything else. And it just felt like it was just was they'd never done that and that was their opportunity to do it and it was 10, 11 years ago so hopefully they do get them times back um, I'm pretty sure they will it's too big a club not to but Sleeping giants been sleeping for far too long
0: Yeah, a wee bit about leaving Dunfermline the first time under those circumstances it must have been horrendous for you your family yeah. and the fans as well yeah it was brutal it was probably yeah when you say lowest point of my career I
1: definitely put it up there yeah um, that was the following season. That was the championship season after we were in the Prem. And as I said, that the season in the Premiership, I had a really good season personally. And there was teams after me: I had Dundee and and Aberdeen on the phone to so my agent wanted to sign me, but they weren't willing to pay the fee that obviously the club wanted for me. And that summer there, it was pretty frustrating because you know, I mean I wanted to stay in the Premiership. I'd smelled it. I'd been in there. I'd been in the mix, playing at these stadiums, playing against these better players, and I wanted to stay in it. Uh, obviously I wanted to stay in it with Dunfermline first and foremost, but if, you, if the club were going down and I wanted to stay in it personally, so that side of things, it was very frustrating. And then that whole season for the championship, we started the season on fire to be fair, the first four months we were flying high, top of the league. Um, and then it just went downhill from there. I think the first sniff that we got that we weren't going to be getting the full wages was like November sort of time. Um, we had a meeting after one training session, just said the club are low on money this month and you'll only be getting 80% of your wages. And we just obviously took it a stride. I think most of the boys just, right, we'll just take it, we'll just move on and we'll get it down the line. And then month by month it's just getting worse and worse. So it went from 80% to 60% in December and then January, like 40%. And then by the time it was like February, March, we were down to like, we weren't even getting 10% of our wages. And this was like, it was actually scary towards the end. There was boys that couldn't even afford to like put petrol in the cars and get to training, and boys couldn't even turn up to training. Uh, and obviously, by that point, we were just going down and down the table. Um, but we had a good team. The boys we, we stuck together, but it was it was hard, hard times. Like when you're only getting a couple hundred quid a month, um, and I was I was just I just bought a house. I just bought a brand new house. Um, my missus was pregnant with my first child. And we were like, Jesus Christ, how are we going to do this? Like, you know what I mean? And we we're still trying to go out and perform on a Saturday. But mentally, we were all over the shop. The, the players had gone. Um, as I said, it was difficult. Boys couldn't turn up. Um, training was getting cancelled. But as I said, boys couldn't turn up. They, they didn't have money to put my petrol in the cars. And, and the club had no answers. We'd sit down and have meetings with the board. And the board were coming in, they were like, listen, we, we don't know what we can do. We, we were trying to raise the money. We don't have the money. We don't have anything. Um, so it was just, yeah, it was all over the shop. It was really difficult to take. And then when it finally come to it, it was basically just getting called in for a meeting. The administrators came in and sat us all down and explained that they had to get rid of the top, I think it was the top seven earners in the club. And we all know, we all knew, like, between all the boys, we all knew that majority, like, who who gets what, you know, I mean, it's not, obviously not figures that anything like that, but we all knew who the top earners would be, and they basically just called it out, the, the administrators came in, I think it was Leishman that came in, and he just had a, a piece of paper with seven names on it, and I was on that list, um, just to be told, listen, you have to go upstairs, sign the papers, and that's you, on your way, and to be at a club for, I was at the club for five years, to so get told in that, in that way, it was, yeah, pretty horrific. Um, and this was mid-season. This was like middle of March. Uh, the club were down at the bottom of the league that was, at this point, even though we were at the top before Christmas, and uh, to be getting told to go upstairs. And I actually said, I went to Jim Jeffries before I went and done the papers, and I said, listen, I'll play for the rest of the season for free. I was happy to, like, not pick up a wage. I had savings put away. That I was happy like that I'd use my savings to get me through life for the next couple of months, and I said to the manager, and Leishman, I said, "Listen, I'll play for free, um, just to obviously because I want, I love the club. I moved to, I moved to I lived my life in the town, um, and I, so I, I went and said that. But there was rules in place. The administration, the administrators wouldn't let that happen for some strange reason. I don't know why. Um, so I had to go upstairs, I had to go and sign all the papers, and that was it said my goodbyes and then I got a phone call the next day from the, uh, the PFA and it was a case of, I think that was on the Wednesday and I got a phone call on the Thursday and the phone call from the PFA is like, you've got two days, you need, you've only got two days to sign for a club until the end of the season. And I'm like, at this point I didn't have an agent, I got rid of my agent that summer. Um, so I was just like, what do I do here? Like, you know what I mean? There's still like two and a half months of the season left. Like, what do I do? Do I just do I go in the dole or do I go and try and find a team? Um, so it was a case, I was actually picking up the phone, I was I was texting managers, like, do you need a winger? Do you need anyone in before the end of the season? Um, and as I said, this, like six months ago, I was flying high, scoring at Ibrox, you know what I mean? Doing really well in the premiership with Fell. and six months down the line, I'm texting managers, championship, like, can I, can I get a game? Um, and
0: then I that would happen now, or do you think there's a lot more in place to avoid stuff like
1: that? I'd really, I really <laughs> hope that that wouldn't happen to anyone because I swear to God, see that that 24 hours, that 48 hours, trying to find a club for myself, and because I didn't have an agent, it was the most, I, I, it was just horrific. Like mentally, I was gone. And they talk about mental health in the game. That that 48 hours for me, even thinking about that is absolutely horrific. So I managed. I was lucky enough that I managed to. Rafe Rovers got hold of it. They got wind of it. Obviously, knew what the situation was. And they got in touch with me that day. Thankfully, they got in touch with me. Um, and I went and signed. It was only for another six weeks or seven weeks at the end of the season. Um, and they were, it was great. You know I mean, I was only there for a wee while. And I enjoyed it that much that when it came to it in the summer, I think, I thought, I mean, I'm, my missus is pregnant. I don't want to go away. Ross County, Vanessa It was a few teams far away. Like, I think... Monarch at the time was sniffing about as well and I thought oh they're travelling we just got our base in Dunfermline and I thought Rafe Rovers it's next door you know I mean it's 10 minutes down the road so I ended up signing at Rafe but that as I said that, that wee spell getting a, with administration and having to sign for a club in like 48 hours it was absolutely brutal and when people talk about mental health in a game I was gone that meant like floored me and it took a lot took a lot out of me and it took it, it took for me to get to that summer to kind of like recharge my batteries and like, because I, I was actually thinking I can't, I can't do this anymore. It was actually that bad. Um, and lucky enough, I went and signed at Rafe again and had a good season with them. Enjoyed it there to be fair. And we won another cup, we won the Rams cup against Rangers that season as well.
0: I'm probably thinking too much like a fan here, right? But see, when you're signing for Rafe, as a party that doesn't really want to because of the affiliation with the PARS or you just yeah. think I need to pay my mortgage?
1: Yeah, a bit of both really. There was a lot in me that thought I can't, I can't do this, this is going to be difficult because as I said, I live in the town I see people every day you know I mean, every day I have a conversation with Dunfermline or, because everyone everyone in Dunfermline is Dunfermline, that's it there's not much else, so it was I think if it was Falkirk, it'd be a different story Falkirk's like, Aye. That's, that's proper, that's proper, but I think Rafe Rovers, I think the majority of the fans understood the situation and how I didn't really want to move away from home and how Wraith Rovers were good for me at that, that point. Um, I did go back that following season and played for Wraith at East End and we beat them 2-0 and had a good game. I set up one and won a penalty for one. And to be so fair, not- at the start of the game, I was getting clapped on and that was like, oh, brilliant, fans are buzzing with it. And as soon as that 2-0, obviously celebrating a couple of goals, I was getting booed off the pitch. But, you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, I'll take it on the night but as I said I think both sets of fans have been brilliant with me I've been lucky enough that every club I've played for I've never left a bad taste I've never left with a bad taste I've been lucky that if I do go back and play against the team the next season I'll always get a round of applause I'll always get looked after they're always decent with me so yeah I'm pretty blessed with that
0: What was it like returning to Dunfermline in uh, League League 1 wasn't it?
1: Yeah yeah it was It was the up So that season at Rafe, I had a good season again and there was a few teams in for me and uh, Ross County was one of them. Um, I went and had a meeting with them up there and I just thought I I fancied the change. I fancied going back to the Prem again. So Ross County with the Prem and it was good and they offered me a deal that I couldn't really turn down, to be honest. it was a, you know, getting everything up there and obviously we moved our family up there Lucy and my, 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 my oldest came up and we loved it to be fair but it was the same sort of situation as Port Vale that I wasn't playing week in, week out, I was in and out of the team uh, frustrated, there was a way, you know, when you're in the Vanessa, if you're not playing regular then you kind of feel like what am I doing up here uh, and I had a two year deal so that point um, that's that summer it was John Potter at Dunfermline he was um, the twenties coach, and he kind of messaged me. He said, "Would you be interested?" And I said, "You know what? Even though I was going from the Prem to League One, and obviously dropping like wages considerably, like a lot, um, I thought I want to go and play. And I felt like I had unfinished business at the Ferdinand. and I thought the chance of coming, coming back, coming back home, basically, and hopefully winning the league with them would be uh, a great thing to do." And, I was lucky enough that I came back that season and hit the ground running and had a great season personally and collectively and we won the league in the first time of asking.
0: Would you would you have only went down there for the I take it?
1: Aye? I think so, yeah. I really do. As I said, I was on a really good contract up at Ross County. I was getting looked after on and off the pitch. We were actually happy off it, like off the pitch, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed being up there. We actually it was like the lifestyle was amazing. But because I wasn't playing regular, I thought, you know what, I need to go and play. I was 26, 27 at the time. And I thought, if I don't, if I get this opportunity to go back to Dunfermline and obviously go up the leagues with them, then um, I would take it. So probably, don't get me wrong, if it was other teams, it, it could have been possible. But I think the chance to go back to Dunfermline, and, and as I said,
0: I felt like I had unfinished business and I managed to do that. So you just, um, like you said there, about staying up in the Highlands. A lot of boys always seem to say that they love the lifestyle up there. What is it? What is it about it that you enjoyed so much?
1: It was just like where we lived. We had a beautiful wee spot. To be fair, we we lived on River Ness and just go back. It was just, everyone was just so chilled. You know what I mean? Like it was just Aye. you go after. Obviously, when the weather's nice, it's a beautiful part of the world, isn't it? You're so so blessed to go for walks with the dogs, and I don't know, just so calm. It's just so relaxing, and we enjoyed it. As I said where we lived. It's a beautiful wee spot and there was loads of nice wee places to go for coffees and out for dinner. And I think how everyone's so tight knit up there as well because there's nowhere to go. If you're in the Vanessa, you're in Vanessa, it's not as if you can go half an hour to another town. You're stuck there, basically. Nice. So the majority, majority of the boys and all the missies, they all they all kind of they're all kind of stuck together. So you have plenty of things to do with it with everyone. But it was great for that side of things, but Ross County was a great club, you know. I mean, really great setup, well well run. Um, but because I, I need to be playing it's not a case for me where I'm happy sitting on the bench, picking up a good wage. Um, I wanted to go back and play regular weekend week out, um, and thankfully it was the it was the right choice to make at that point in my career.
0: And how much did you enjoy that second spell at the past?
1: Yeah that that season we went back. That was a special season. And people ask me like, what was the best team you've played in? I'd probably put that up there, even though it was a League One team. We had some top top players. But I think as a as a dressing room, probably one the best dressing room I've been in. We got we had some really good characters. You know, when I mean, you so still talk about like boys like Josh Bolking. We had We Face Elback too. Had an nice. unbelievable, outrageous season. Uh, but even like boys like Moffat, Peyton, and boys like that, boys that were well established in the game. But we had such a great. Everyone got on. We were so close. Uh, we do so much together as well. Like even though I was back here with Misses and we and that, like after training every day, we'd go into town and we'd sit in like Costa and Starbucks for like two three hours every day, just talking absolute gibberish. But because <laughs> it was sitting in Costa, just sit, sipping coffee, just it was just we were just so close, we were like brothers. And I think that's what carried us through. We were just winning week in week out. Uh, but that was a special season. Really, really good group of boys.
0: I want to ask you about this, your time at Partick at Thistle. How enjoyable was that with the fact that you'd obviously won the league in League One and ended up back in the Championship? It was great. It was a great,
1: another great club. Um, I was lucky enough that Gary Caldwell brought me to Thistle. Um, I'd, I'd signed a contract down at AFC Field. I thought I was going to be moving back to where I originated from in Liverpool. Um, Things never really worked out. I was doing well on the pitch, but we never moved the family down there. So I was traveling up and down two or three times a week and it was taking its toll. I was on the trains. I was driving down three hours at a time. And I just, it got to like, I think it was like November sort of time. And I thought, it's, it's not for me. There was a night, um, one of the nights before I was going to travel down, my little one got upset, little Josie. And, she, and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I can't live to a life. So I was basically living a life up here. My days off and then driving down and training and come back up, and it was just taking its toll on me. So I made the decision to cancel my contract, Uh, even though it was another amazing contract. uh, Obviously, we we were doing well in the conference at that point as well, having a great season. We were up there with um, with Salford, it was toe to toe with them. Um, But yeah, I managed to cancel my contract, and Gary Caldwell called me on that day and he said, Listen, come in and train with us. see how you get on and then hopefully if you like you, there'll be a contract there in January. So I went in the next day and loved it, to be fair. Really did enjoy it. Always knew Partick Thistle was a great club, uh, but I think it took me to to go in and train and sign for them to realise how special a club it was.
0: What was Gary Colbert like? Obviously, it didn't really work out through him at Thistle, but what was he like as a guy and obviously as a manager as well?
1: I loved him. I thought, like personally, for me, Probably the best manager that I've played under.
0: Really?
1: Yeah, and everyone has that reaction. Everyone thinks, "Oh, Gary Caldwell." He doesn't get the best press. I don't think. um, I think anyone that mentions Gary Caldwell in a conversation, it's negative. Um, And I just like I'm the complete opposite than that. You know what I mean? From the minute he signed me, from the minute I started training, I was in awe, like how he how he dealt with everything, how he dealt with everything as a manager, how he ran his sessions, how how structured everything like the whole week was. I've never been at a I've never been at a, a club where everything, every session was structured. you sit down for a meeting in the morning and he'd talk you through the session and why we're doing that session and why, why we're doing that for the Saturdays game and how we're going to manipulate the other team. And I just thought like he was levels above anyone that I dealt with before. Um but as, like when, when you do bring up his name, like if people say Gary yeah, Caldwell, like, he doesn't. You know what I mean? And it does right. it frustrate, because he gets that bad press. But for me personally, like the work that he put in to his sessions and the way the way he structured his team, and I just I, I felt like he was he was he was too, not too good for this all. But I felt like the way the way he, he he dealt with things, it was for like a better footballing team. Like the players that he had in that team. We were, It was not as if we not good enough, but I felt like it was like Premiership standard or Championship in Aye. England that he they were the sort of players that he was dealing with and asking the rules that he wanted the players to do was that sort of caliber of player. Um, and it, you know, what I mean, it, it bit him. It, it was hard because it was never nice to see a manager get sacked, but I think the way it ended for him was pretty brutal. Uh, and he's never he's never had a job. He's never had a, a manager's job since. And it just shows you how hard it is to be obviously to become a manager first and foremost, but to get another job once you have been sacked is difficult. Don't get me wrong; he was in it at Hibs with um, Maloney,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, but for me personally, a great guy on and off the pitch, and I still speak to him all the time. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a difficult one. But then obviously, Ian McCall came in, and he's the complete opposite. I had, I had a lot of time for McCall and but he's old, he's old school as they come like training as basic as it comes but look at the success he's got the club are doing well they're now in the playoffs to go up um, but boys just know the jobs you know what I mean it's basic you know what I mean boys just know what to do um, you know what you're doing in training boxes, games, possession but it works you know what I mean the old school way sometimes works for certain players and I think as I said Gary Cole was kind of Above his stations for what he tried to do at Thistle.
0: I think you're spot on with that because it's no coincidences. Like he's been at Man City and that as well. And what, what was yeah. that? Was that a scouting role?
1: Yeah, he had a scouting role at City, and he was in somewhere else. I'm trying to think. He was at another club as well.
0: Habs you know, as I'm well, like you mentioned.
1: But obviously, yeah, you know I mean, he he done well when he first went into Wigan, but it's all about chemistry. You know what I mean, you need the players. You know what I mean, if if the players don't believe in what he's got to say, it just takes two or three players to say, listen, I'm not having that, it's a load of rubbish. And then, obviously, you lose the dressing room, and I think that's what the situation was. He had five, six, seven, eight boys that understood and wanted to work for him, and then there was half of the changing that didn't understand it, weren't accepting his way, uh, and it never really worked out. But hopefully, down the line, that he does get another chance because he is very good at what he does, so fingers crossed for him.
0: Well, Joanne, Kelti now, mate. You're absolutely flying there. Why did you first yeah. want to join Kelty? The journey there.
1: Yeah, it was it was a strange one because Celtic were like, they'd always get in touch with me. Like, even like three, three, four years ago when I first left on Firmland. This is obviously when they were right down the leagues. so the, uh, like, I don't obviously know the leagues they were in. Um but I was just one of them ones. Kelly, like I'm never gonna like, you know what I mean? Like that's the way it was because it was I. I was playing the championship with Dunferm and Kelty, I got a message from Kelty and I was like, listen, come on, I'm better than that. And then you'd hear people in and around the town like, Are you say you've Kelty. And I'd play it down like, come on, like, seriously. And then year after year, it was Dean McKenzie, the, the owner that would always get in touch with me. He said, Would you be interested? I've a sit down. And I just like, you know, like, not bend them off, but I said, Maybe ne- maybe in a couple of years, maybe in the next year. Um, and then it came into that summer, like I thought I was gonna obviously stay on it, thistle. So, I had a good season last season, obviously played my part, scored a few goals, it was top top of the charts in the assist, second goals, second top goal scorer on the team. So I thought it was a given that I was getting a new contract. I was getting told I was getting, I got told I was getting a new contract and then it got taken off the table. Uh, so that was another thing, like when, you, when people talk about uh, me, mental health in the game, to get told you were getting a deal and then for it to get taken off the table in the space of two days, like... If you've not got a family to go back to and sit down and talk to, her, you're just going back to him like your head's all over the shop. So that was that was difficult. That was a really hard one to take, especially for a manager that I respected and done so well under. Um, so I was, as I said, that summer I was expecting to carry on and obviously looking forward to a season in the championship with Thistle. But to be told I wasn't getting a new deal because of obviously my age and what I was earning was yeah, hard one to take. So Celtic were the first club. I got in the car and I was on the phone to my message saying, Listen, I'm not getting a deal now. And uh, put the phone down, and it was Kelty, it was D. McKenzie that messaged me straight away. They were the first club. So by the time I'd put my phone down, Partick Thistle had put it on the social media that I'd, I wasn't getting renewed the contract. And D. McKenzie messaged me. And even then, when he messaged me, like, and this was before they obviously got promoted to League Two. So they were still like a lowland league team. Um, so I just let it, I let it. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll happily come and see these guys. Um, still thought nothing of it. Uh, and then I went to that game that week. They were playing against Brecon in the playoffs. They come up. And I was impressed with fair, I went and watched the game just by myself. Just because I, I knew a couple of the boys that were playing. they done well. Obviously won that game and then won the return leg. Um, and Brecon obviously, that means they were a League Two team. And I thought that kind of changed my mindset. I thought, you know what? Like, Kelly Hearts. It's on my doorstep. It's a club going in the right direction. Uh, at this point, I didn't know who the manager was going to be because obviously uh, Barry had left, um, and I thought, you know what, I'll wait. I'll wait and see what happens. And then I think it was a couple of weeks later. Um, obviously, the manager got the job, and then one of my good friends, Andrew Barrerman, he became the sporting director uh, at the club, and he rang me the day he got the job, and he's like, "Right, come on." Come and have a meeting with the manager, uh, and I was like, "Come on!" I thought, you know what? I'll come through. It was like a Saturday afternoon. I said, "I'll come through. I'll come and see you." Um, so I went to the stadium. The manager brought me in. So it was the manager, uh, Jordi, a manager, Jordy, I played the assistant that I played with Eldry ten years ago, and obviously Barra that I played with Don Fairman. So we just sat down, had a casual talk, and and after I came, I was only in with them for about half an hour. I thought, you know what? I'm gonna like after having that conversation, I thought. It's the right thing to do, and even though like, I thought like, I'm coming down the leagues, I thought it's gonna it's, it's a club going in the right direction. It's got good people behind it. It's a it's a it's a great set. They've got good players, especially for League Two. You know, what I mean, I knew a few of the boys I would played with Higgy before. Um, I knew Tidza, I knew Fash. I knew these sort of boys that obviously wanted to kick on the careers as well. So after having that conversation, we managed to come up and a a deal after two or three days. Uh, and I was excited. You know, I mean, even though the only, thing, the only thing that was putting me off is obviously going part-time because I've been full-time all my career. Since I left school at 16, I've been full-time as a football player. But because obviously I'd started the academy last year, I thought it was a good time. Because I'm 35 now, it was a good time to maybe go part-time and concentrate on my, on my academy as well as playing. Um, and it's worked hand-in-hand, hand, to be fair. So, yeah, the decision was tough to make at first, but I think in the long run, uh, probably the right one with the season that we've had and winning the league and obviously being nominated Player of the Year and scoring so many goals and assisting so many goals. So, yeah, it's been a win-win for everyone, really.
0: How did the manager first pitch it to you? It's all about the progression of the club, yeah.
1: He kind of spoke about how he wanted to play, Um, Tactically, how he wanted to do it, how he wanted to play his formation, how he wanted me to play in the four. Because I've never really played in that formation before. I've always played as an out and out wide man. I've always been on the wing, on the byline, putting crosses in or cutting in off the left. So he wanted to play the way Gerard set, set his team up at Rangers with the two feet, with the two feet tens, uh, either side the front man. And I just thought, you know what, even at 35, I fancied some different, uh, playing in a different formation. And I'm still getting used to it, don't get me wrong. It's not a case where I took to it straight away because, as I said, when you have played in a position for 15, 20 years, it's hard to get away from just sitting on the byline, and receiving a ball, getting it my full-back. So now it's all about getting in them pockets and picking up them areas. But I feel that I'm, I'm getting higher up the pitch and I'm, I'm getting more chances. I'm scoring more goals. I'm creating chances. Um, so it has been... Even at my age, still a learning process. So I appreciate that the managers put me in that role this season because you don't expect to be learning positions at my age, and I feel like I've, I've done that this season.
0: And a lot of people I've seen a lot of people say like when you first signed at Celtic, saying "Oh, Joe Cardinal, too good for League two. but yeah. you deserve credit because you've still got to go and do it. There's there's players that yeah. really join the yeah. that they're better than, but it doesn't work out.
1: I seen T- Timza mention that he was at Falkirk. I think the league when he we was in League One, and I think they had a really strong squad and they were paying the wages, and they never done it. He said it takes a lot. you like, even when the pressure's on, you still got to do it week in, week out, like, even at that level. And people do it. People are going to say, listen, Cardo, like, I've been playing the Premiership, Championship majority of my career. Um, so to drop to League Two, it was a big drop for me. But I think the prospect of going to win another league. Um, and obviously, you know, I mean, to go up the leagues with Celtic for a club that's, as I said, basically in on Um it was, yeah, you know, I mean, it was a great opportunity to, to me. But it could have went the other way. I could have went to Celtic. I could have, you know, I mean, touched wood. I could have got injured. I, I might not have got the team week in week out. Uh, but it's, as I said, it's been a win win for both parties. I think the club appreci- appreciate having me, and I have, I appreciate obviously playing for the club at this point in my career.
0: We spoke about it about off camera. How is Kevin Thompson?
1: He's good. He's good. To be fair, he's uh, he's got the respect. I think um, he doesn't he doesn't do or say a lot, especially in training and that. I think, uh, but like before t- before when he does his team talk before a game, he's got the respect to the change room and everyone seems to listen. Um He doesn't, as I said, he doesn't do he doesn't say a lot. But I think when he what when he does speak and what he does say. It always works. You know I mean, he always he's always got a plan in place. Um and even though we'd won the league like three, four weeks ago, he was relentless. Like he wanted to win every game. So we were gutted even on Saturday there when we drew one, one with four for we want we want like, even though we knew we were going into the changing room to go and lift the trophy, it was kinda we were upset because we know we're like we know we should be winning these games. And the games that we have drawn, especially at home. It's been a frustrating, frustrating, frustrating part of the season because we've got the players. We know the taxes. We know what we should have done. Um, so that's what I do. I, that's what I'll give the manager. He's a winner. He always says that. And he's relentless. He will never let you take a, a day off. Or he will He won't. He will always be on your case if you're not at it. And I think that's he is a winner. He's had a great career. And I think he'll, he'll have a great management career because he's got that in him.
0: You've been absolutely flying. Would this be one of your most enjoyable seasons, personally?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think when it comes to a Saturday, I think the whole week in general, I think I'm still getting used to training at night. I can't, I can't get used to that. I don't think I'll ever get used to that. Like I've been used to getting up in the morning, going to the club, having my breakfast, having a bit of banter with the boys, going out to train for an hour, an hour and a half, and then come back, having my lunch. And then that's just been my routine for like 20 years so for me now like because I coach every night I coach Monday to Friday so Tuesday and Thursday nights it's a swarm I'm not going to lie because when I'm coaching I'm at it for like three hours solid and it's te- intense you know what I mean when you're coaching as well you're involved so when you're coaching for three hours and then you've got to go up to Kelty on a cold winter's night for two hours and you're at it and air training with Kelty is, the intense it's proper it's not as if it's a part-time team and it's a you know it's a jolly up and that we're at it the boys are on it um. So Tuesday and Thursday nights are a wee bit of a slog. I'm not going to lie, but when it comes to Saturday, we're firing on all cylinders and I'm loving it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to enjoy my summer. It's been a long season. Don't get me wrong. So I'm going to, I'm looking forward to a few weeks out in Portugal with the family, and then I can recharge the batteries again for for League One uh, with Celtic.
0: What's the ambitions in League One for you and Celtic?
1: I think we've got. To, yeah, I mean, we've got to go for it. I think I'm pretty sure that the club will. Uh, recruit well again in the summer I think they'll bring in good bodies from what I've heard so far obviously you hear a few whispers of who may be coming in um, I think they'll bring in the right, the right calibre of player and I don't think there's anything stopping us I think the players that we've got just now would be challenging at the top of the league one um, so if we manage to bring in another three or four bodies we want to be up there that's the plan you know I mean if you look at Cold Rangers what they've managed to do over the last few years it's pretty incredible so, uh, we've got to go again. We've got to remain positive and hit the ground running the way we did this season. Um, so, yeah, we're excited, but it's going to be a, a big step up in class, I think, when you look at the teams. If you look at the likes of Airdrie, for instance, I mean, Cova being at it, but Airdrie, I'm good friends with Dylan. they've been at it nonstop. stop they, they seem to be winning every week. Right. So you look at yeah, Eldre's Montrose, um, Queen's Park, and then the likes of Falkirk as well, teams like that. And then whoever comes down with Queen of the South, you know, I mean, it could be Don Elmland. It could be any of these teams. So it's going to be a tough, tough, tough league. Um, but I think we've got the mentality in our change room to, to go and kick on again.
0: It gets so exciting to be having teams like Kelty, like Cove, coming through the leagues rather than teams that, you know, made us respect, suspect teams who have been there and not really 100%. done much over the years. You know what I mean?
1: hundred percent. I think it's a breath of fresh air. When you see Cove Rangers, how they've done it in the last three years... Obviously, to, to win to win League Two, to win League One, and to go up into the Championship in the space of three is unbelievable. And I think, Kel- yeah, I think if I think Kelty as a club have got to look at that—they've managed to do it in the last three years, going up obviously the Lowland League and League Two. The first time I'm asking if we managed to do it again next year, then what an achievement it would be. But as I said, I think everyone's pushing in the right direction. We've got all the right people in charge to do that. So
0: here's hoping. I'm absolutely buzzing to hear about this, Joe. The, the academy taught me through that. Why did you want to start an academy? Yeah, applying the colours the not. I noticed. I noticed. I noticed. Um, no, I'm straight in. It's been
1: listen, we started, I, I started in lockdown, in heavy lockdown, when it was proper, when no one could really go out. Um, the rules kind of they kind of dropped off a little bit so the kids could go out and do a little bit of training outside. So I just thought, because I'd done my badges, I'd done my A-license a couple of years prior, Uh, my missus was kind of on my case, like, go and do something, you know what I mean? Because obviously, gyms were shut, I wasn't playing, I wasn't training, so I thought, I'd put something up on Facebook. Um, I'm sure it was like a Monday night, i put something up on Facebook, in the local area, if there's anyone interested who wants a a session, um, I'm going to do some one-to-one sessions, down at the local park on a pitch, you know what I mean? I had 10... 12 cones and uh, a wee pop-up goal and a couple of poles and that's all I had it was just a case of going down I wrote out a couple of drills and I thought see if anyone nibbles if anyone finds a drill anyone finds to a one-to-one session and then that night in the space of like an hour and a half I was fully booked for the whole week I'm like Jesus I'm gonna have to go and coach all these kids now it was so a like the whole time down that whole week I had like seven sessions a day so it was just relentless hours 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 and then I thought Jesus I'm pretty good at this I can do this you know what I mean so the weeks came a couple of weeks went on and then um, I started doing like little group sessions and I thought listen there's potential here I could actually start an account there was nothing really in the area that was specializing on like doing these one-to-one sessions and these small group sessions there was little things like Paz Foundation that had been ongoing for years and box soccer, but no real success. There wasn't kids coming through and signing for pro youth clubs, and you know I mean pushing on. You know, what I mean, there wasn't like coaches like myself that are playing the game that had done these UEFA badges. Um, so I, I thought, you know what? So I done. I took two or three months on the grass pitches, obviously building up my clients and seeing how it works, and it was just relentless. I was nonstop that whole summer. Like, just every day, coaching, coaching, coaching. <clears throat> and then I managed to start my academy, and I had a couple of coaches in with me. It was me, big boy, Nat Weatherburn, plays at Stenhouse Muir. I was good friends with him, so he's still in with me now. And um, it's kind of grew, arms and legs from there. Um, we've got a base now. We're at, we're at an AstroTurf pitch. We've been set up for over a year and a half now. Um and it's just taken off pretty dramatically uh, in the space of a yeah, just under two years. So now I've got 10 coaches in at the academy with me, and we're there Monday to Friday, three till six, and we specialize obviously in the one-to-one sessions. That's what we, that is what we specialize in. That's where we get a lot of um, a lot of the kids come in. But it's not just it's not just like seven, eight, nine-year-olds. We've got kids from like the ages of four, but now we're working at first team level as well. There's a lot of Pro youth players coming in, a lot of first team boys coming in to take over, and uh, and it's been yeah, it's been a whirlwind. Obviously, we're still learning along the way, but it's a family business. My wife does all the bookings, um, she does all the paperwork, everything from a, on a daily basis. And I'm lucky enough that I've got some amazing coaches. in. I've got Nat Weatherburn, I've got Dylan Easton in, um, I've got Christy Elliott, and boys that I've played with. You know what I mean? Uh, and I've got a few young boys. Boys that are all playing at a good level. Brogan Walls, who's in East Fife. I've got Lewis Owens, who's at Kelty with me. I've got we Lewis Black. He plays at the Swifts. Um, Greg Young, who's at Rafe Grover's. So boys that are all playing at a decent level that know the game, they're obviously getting their experience from coaching as well. So, And I've got Ali as well. Ali's a, a lady who's just passed her Masters in uh, sports science. So she's like a sprint, speed and strength coach. So it's we're kind of covering all the areas. Um uh, and we do everything now. We do pro youth sessions, um, we do camps, and it's just as I said, it's just it's just grown. It's grown pretty incredibly over the last uh, over the last years. Been pretty pretty amazing. What I keep you, talking, I'm so passionate about it. I know what
0: uh, what do you enjoy about it? Where does your satisfaction come from?
1: Yeah, I think the satisfaction I've had the kids that I see potential in, and I'm coaching these kids weekly, and I'm like. That kids got a bit, you know what I mean, and I'm working hard with them, and I see them, and then I'll put them in touch with a club, and then I've had like great success in putting these kids in at trials, and then they managed to get a contract, like getting a contract at Hearts or uh, or Hibs or Celtic, or getting them getting them in first and foremost because of the contacts I've gotten again, and me obviously coaching them from when I first seen them, seeing that they got potential, to obviously pushing them to a level where I think they can get to, and getting them getting them contracts at these pro youth clubs is massive for me. It means so much to me. Uh, And I'm just glad that I could play my part. Hopefully down the line, I would like to manage these kids. I'm looking to to get my agent's license and hopefully do that side of the things as well. Because I think that adds another string to the bow with the academy. If I'm coaching these kids and getting them contracts at these pro youth clubs, then obviously I want to be able to advise them and manage them as well. Obviously, there's a lot more to football than the technique and... What comes to it, there's a lot more mentally and physically. I've been there myself. I've done it. Um, so if I can advise these kids that look up to me, um, then I think that'll that'll add something extra to the academy as well.
0: I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'm actually quite impressed with this question. To me, why should yeah. parents send kids send their kids to your academy?
1: Oh, because I'm the main man. Main
0: yeah, man. <laughs>
1: <It's>, <laughs> uh, I think what I pride myself on is obviously especially the one-to-one sessions and how I structure each session. They're always designed to what... It's not... You, you don't come into, a, into the academy and it's just Bobby basic. Like, if I've got a centre-half coming in and he wants to work on heading, we'll specialise a session into that, into that heading drill. Um, but I just think everything that we do... The technique drills, I think the intensity of our drills as well, compared to everything I've seen. You see all the videos on Instagram and Facebook and that. But yeah. I, I pride myself on the intensity. They come in for these one-to-one sessions, they're 45 minutes long. And then when they're one-to-one with me for that amount of time, it's, you see them at the end, they can, they're can knackered because it's just non-stop. Bum, bum, bum. They'll, don't get me wrong, they'll stop for a wee water break now and again. But the intensity and the quality of my sessions are second to none, and I think that's why everyone keeps coming back. I think the, the novelty at first, when I first started the one-to-ones in lockdown, to get a session with a professional football player, the novelty was there, but there's a reason why these kids have been coming to me for the last two years, and because the, the, the parents can see the progress, and they can see with it what we're trying to do with them, and I think it's, it's great that the players that I do see potential in going into these pro youth teams and obviously showing these coaches and managers that, you know, I mean, with the hard work and dedication that they're putting in off their own back, um, it's obviously paying off. So, no, it's been it's been a, it's been a great start, but there's a long way to go. But um, yeah, really enjoying it. Really enjoying the coaching side of things as well. And I'm lucky enough that
0: I'm still playing as well. I can tell you're so so enthusiastic about it. What's the what's what's the ambitions for it? Just to get I as think- many as many players into here, pro youth as possible. Yeah.
1: I think, uh, as I said, there's so much potential with it, I think, to have a few more bases. We've only got the one base just now. As I said, there's 10 coaches in. Um, so I think to spread out a little bit, I think to have maybe another two or three in the local area, maybe one county base, uh, one like Dalgetty base, even though they're local, I think uh, there's still potential to have two or three of these bases run locally and then hopefully can... Broaden out even more around Scotland. I think um, if we've got a right structure in place of the sessions that we want to plan, especially with the groups and the ones to ones the success that we've had with the academy, uh, it's been amazing. So I think if we uh, if we structure it right, then we can spread it along and broaden broaden out a wee bit.
0: That's brilliant. We've just, if it's all right with you, we'll finish off with a quick fire questions. Let's do it. So your best mate in football.
1: Best mate in football. I was on the phone to him today. Uh, Callum Woods. I met Callum Woods when I was at Dunfermline. And we've always kept in touch. Our families are really close. I've not seen him in years, to be fair. But we speak weekly. Uh, and, yeah, I regard him as best mate I've met in football.
0: The best stadium you've played in?
1: Best stadium i played in. I played in it. Everyone, obviously, is going to say Celtic and Rangers. Don't get me wrong. It was amazing to play at Ibrox and Parkhead. But... I played at White Hart Lane when I was 18, 19 against Tottenham in the Carlin Cup. And obviously it was just a special night. And the atmosphere that night was unbelievable. So I'd say White Hart Lane. That's
0: a good one. The best player you've played against?
1: Um, I played against obviously Van Dyke. He's just about to come on the telly right now. I played against <laughs> Van Dyke when he was Celtic, so... Either Van Dijk or I played against another Dutchman. I played against Edgar Davies that night against Tottenham. And I'd always looked up to Edgar Davies as a wee boy. And to play against him, I actually smashed him in a tackle at the halfway line. I came on and I picked him up and I just thought it was surreal. You know what I mean, I used to play with him on FIFA when I was a wee boy. So Edgar Davies or uh, Van, Van Dijk.
0: The biggest Mona that you've played with? Mona? Yes.
1: There's been a few, I'm not going to lie first one that comes to my head is Brian Graham. Jesus Christ, he's hard work. Go
0: oh, for it. <laughs> your, your biggest achievement in football?
1: Uh, biggest achievement? Uh, I think with the trophies that I've won, I've managed to win four league titles up in Scotland and obviously a couple of cup trophies as well. Um, so I think there's not, there's not many players that have won a league, so to win four leagues... To win the championship League One and League Two in Scotland is uh, yeah, pretty pretty successful ratio.
0: And lastly, find the best five aside team of players have played with, and why? Oh wow, what a standard that is. Best five players I've played with.
1: Five aside. Is that including a goalkeeper?
0: Yeah. Unless you want to go in the sticks. Oh
1: no, I'm not gonna end this <laughs> uh Goalkeeper, I'm going to go Paul Gallica. Played with him at Dunfermline and Gal was top boy, like really top goalkeeper. Defender, I'm going to go... I'm going to go Cal Morris. Played with him at Dunfermline twice. Uh, great guy. Good feet as well for a big guy. Midfield, I'm going to go Nicky Finn. I don't know if you remember Nicky Finn. I played with him at Dunfermline as well. I was I- offside, serious baller, he- Obviously finish his career early, but Nicky Finn, five asides, outrageous. I'm gonna put myself in there. I'm no. of a five there. Uh I'm gonna go with El Tui, that season that I played with him at Dunferm, Outrageous. Um score goal goals. And then I'll play, I just thought Liam Boyce. Liam Boyce is made for five asides. I played with Boyce up at Ross County, and still to this day, his feet like. He doesn't even. When I, well, I remember when he first turned up at training, I was like, who is this guy? He doesn't look like a football player, but wow. That boy's got serious ability. So, yeah, boy says as well. Is that five? It's
0: a good team, that. I will go with that. Top man, Joey. Thanks a lot for coming on, mate.
1: No worries, Ross. Nice to meet you, pal.